Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Dr. Manhattan. One Superman. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, much, much more. It's episode 256. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. I sure do love reading great comic books. Me too. I do love that too. Mm-hmm. An, an unrelated topic. We're discussing Doomsday Clock today. <laughs> this is this is this is going to be a slog, guys. <laughs> I wouldn't call um, it a slog. I have a slog. I have plenty of things to say about it. I am I am eager for the discussion, but I I I think we, maybe we need to we need to I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock. Uh, the important seminal integral sequel to to the watchman it's it's exactly what everyone was crying out for and wanted and needed you know what i said eric what did you said i said no <laughs> didn't even see it coming <laughs> and uh before we get there uh we have comment because it came out the past couple weeks to talk about, to review, to tell you to buy uh, or not. It is time for a segment. It is time for Floppies for Nightly. Floppies for Nightly is part of the show. Eric and I will review a selection of this past couple of weeks' books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. We have a mush meter that goes from one to five if we're feeling mushy about a book. Our first book of the week is X Men number five, written by Jonathan Hickman, art R.B. Silva, colors Marte Gracia, letters Clayton Cowles. How familiar are you with Mike Carey's run of the X-Men, Eric? Um, I don't think I am. Neither am I. <laughs> but this, this, these, these, uh, these, the people, the, these, these children of the Atom, as they are called. I know the video game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what everyone knows. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they are the, that is from the Mike Carey X-Men, not, 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 is not a very red run. It was when it was in the dark years, the dark age of the comic books in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, especially in Marvel. But that is what Hickman is doing. Hickman is taking that stuff and kind of uh, not I don't I don't know about retconning, but certainly kind of recontextualizing all that stuff that Mike Curry did. I have I should probably go back and read that stuff just to see what it is. Um, but all that being said. I won't say that I know what's happening necessarily in this comic book. Because I, I sure shit don't. I will say that I still enjoy it a lot. They used to the, enjoy the, it the a lot. The X-Men kind of have a Mandela effect right now. They can or actually man, a halo effect. Different thing. They have a halo effect going on right now. They they can do no wrong. Mandela effect is like the fucking Shazam movie or something. <laughs> I I I like I like this a lot mainly because it we get like Darwin and Sink and uh, Laura Wolverine. And she's gonna come out a thousand years old. 
and yeah, they're going, you know, and, and this is like, this is a they're going in the hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah. The time dilation world and 300 years are passing inside and we don't know what's going on in there, except it's some weird void and looks like Tron in there. Pink Tron. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, but I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. There's a, a sentinel with a giant head. It's dead or something. I don't know. I, I really, I you know, the the book continues to look great. Arby Silva, this work, God, it's beautiful. Looks really good. Yeah, the I love Cyclops's like curved eye beam. I always like when they do that when they make his eye beam curve because he's like moving it. I always thought that was really neat. <laughs> I don't know his non Euclidean yeah eye beams yeah. Those are always fun to me, but I like, you know, the way it starts and ends with Cyclops and being like a real, truly a, a team leader in this case. Um, there's a fun mystery with these children, these weird mutants that we don't know what they want or what they are. And God knows what they're going to be doing, but I'm curious. It's another mystery. And it's like, you know, as soon as it opens, as soon as it solves a mystery for us, it reveals another one. It keeps us, keeps me guessing. It's a, kind of the book that I, this is those, the, the, um, the elusive weekly comic or monthly comic, I guess I should say, that I want to read issue to issue. You know, I like it that much or I want to I don't care if it's parceling out this amount of whatever this amount of information is. We, you know, month to month. That is fine by me. I'm a buy. A comic that makes you want to read it month to month. Ooh, I know. Crazy. My God. So out of all the comics, one of them's doing their job. There's a couple. Spoiler alert. <laughs> X X Men can do no wrong right now. I'm 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 I support this book. It is good. You should you should read it. That's a double buy X Men number five. Next up is X Force number six, written by Benjamin Percy, art Steven Segovia, colors Guru FX, letters Joe Carigmania. Uh I guess Joshua Casara, you know, had to actually sleep a little bit. What a quitter. <laughs> I, I, I this the book this book still does look very well. It looks very well. It does, very very good. It, it does look very well. <laughs> looks very good. Um, but oh man, beast, dude, going down this dark path. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard. It's kind of hard to read a little bit. But I I'm engaged. I'm I'm interested. I this like I don't know. I think reading all the dark beast stuff makes this even more ominous to me. Because there is a history of of a Hank McCoy going down this dark path of, you know, doing whatever is necessary, the the you know the the ends justify the means kind of thing, being that evil scientist. Um, but I'm certainly enjoying it, even though I'm also kind of dreading what Beast is going <laughs> to become. And I mean, I assume the professor is also condoning all of this because he can read everyone's minds. So. What do you think? You like it? Not, not if you're not if you're covered in hair. I get, oh, is that? <laughs> I didn't realize that deflected <clears throat> psychic attention. Mm-hmm. Did, did you enjoy this? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. You have feelings I, I, and opi- I, I, opinions that differ from mine sometimes. In this case, this was just an easy, good read for me. I think. I think. Um, I think our book club book made me like incapable of, of taking in new information. So I didn't really, I just sort of glossed over this one. I'm like, yeah, I like this. 
didn't really form enough opinions about it. I'm a little ashamed of. I mean, but I did. I did enjoy it. I mean, there's a, a some other country also has plant technology, mm-hmm. and Beast does some shady shit with the X Force to make sure that all that plant technology doesn't come out. A country has plant technology. Yeah. So they have farmers, is what you're saying. I mean, fancy farmers. So I'm just going to make fun of, like, every little minute thing that you say wrong. That's Farmer. just my... I'm not saying anything yeah. wrong. I am 100% correct. <laughs> not even... Well, a then little... I'm just going to make fun of everything you say. Then I mean, that's I'm used to that. Isn't that what this podcast is? <laughs> well, why are we... It is, it, is, it, is, it is in the tagline that we've said 3,000 times. Wait, I mean, this is episode 256, so, I mean... And this is only we don't this, say it. We this, don't. We don't say it uh, ten times a podcast. No, but we have said it many times. Uh, I am a, a, just a buyer. Are you a buyer? I see no reason not to. X Force continues to be. I mean, great. Yeah, rollicking good time. I just, I, I just want more. As a double buy, X Force number six. Our last X Men related book of the week is X Men slash Fantastic Four number one. Written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils Terry Dodson, inks Rachel Dodson, ink assists with Dexter Vines and Carl Story, colors Laura Martin, letters Joe Caramagna. Uh, before we get going, uh, do you want to mention Dexter Vines is taken ill and he has a GoFundMe up to help cover his health costs mm-hmm. to, to try and make him better? Uh, so what a rotten world we live in. I know it's or that's that's a thing we have to do. Yeah, it's very bad. Pass the collection plate around, but I so people don't have to be destitute. But you can. I would encourage all our listeners to at least go check that out and try and help Dexter Vines if you can, because he's a good dude. Does good work as well. Um, there was back back in House of X, Powers of X, when back when this is all kicking off. There was, you know, there was a, a place in the book, one of the infographics listed all the Omega level mutants and made a point to emphasize the fact that the X-Men and the nation of Krakoa should try to get all of these Omega level mutants on their side because they are their biggest asset, their biggest resource. And everyone noticed very prominent on that list is Franklin Richards. And this book is kind of finally tackling that 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 issue of hey the X Men like we want Franklin, we want him to come over, join his family so to speak, and that's like it all just on surface level that is a very fascinating conflict to me. It's it's good, it's real good. Yeah, and I you know we. Despite all us ragging on Chip Zdarsky all the time, he's still a very good comic book writer. And um, yeah, Zdarsky, I think he, I don't know, he tries to get heat, but he really <laughs> is. He really is talented. Yes, uh, he's. He was just like, hey, he's that kooky artist who draws sex criminals, and now he's like, oh, he's mm-hmm. a really talented writer. <laughs> yeah, who just happens yeah. to draw things once in a while. Um, I'm totally on board with this i want to see what is happening with franklin we got franklin val we got the x-men got kitty we got professor x we got reed richards we got the thing we got everything that's what i was gonna say we're gonna get a pretty serviceable fantastic four story which i think the world is still thirsty for that we've not really gotten quite enough fantastic four in it back in 
in the Marvel line. But this is I I mean I I think this is very good. Uh I like the art a bit. I like I've always liked Terry Terry Dotson, even though It's gorgeous. It, yeah. I mean he's a, a classic. Yeah. Uh buy it. It's it's really it's <laughs> I we at all I care about, frankly Franklinny Shut up. <laughs> I did that just to get a reaction. Uh, just, 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 yeah, you're tr- you're trying to get that that Zdarsky heat too. I am. I'm trolling you. Uh, it's cheap heat. Uh, Val, <laughs> we get some Val and Doctor Doom in the next issue. I'm kind of just excited about that. Like anytime. I mean, Val, Val, Val is great on her own. Val and Doctor Doom together. We haven't seen since what was that big event? Secret Wars. Yeah, we haven't seen them together since that, have we? I don't think so. If we have, I mean, we, we haven't don't read, read it. We don't read every everything. But, no, because uh, there's a billion comic books. I'm yeah. a, I'm a straight up a buy. It's really good. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's fabulous. Please please read it. It's a double buy in Thor number two. No, Thor number two. Next book is Thor number <laughs> two. Double buy. <laughs> hey guys, I am drinking. Spoiler Disclo- for just disclosure. For five minutes in the future. Disclosure. I have been drinking. A uh, double buy on X Men <laughs> Fantastic Four number one. Our you next book usually do this. Our next book is Thor number two, <laughs> written by Donny Cates, Art Nick Klein, Matt Wilson, and Gullers, Josephino letters and design. Oh god! Okay, I hey, Thor <laughs> is a uh, herald of Galactus now, but he's also like kneecapping Galactus when he feels like it. Apparently, uh, but this book is oh, beautiful. God, the colors in it are just fantastic. Um, I'm a, God, Galactus and Thor and I don't know. We have a beta beta Bill like with a space tank at the end or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, Kate's used beta Ray Bill in um, that earlier story that he did, didn't he? I can't remember Guardian, which one it was. Guardians. It, it had Cosmic Ghost Rider in it. It might have been. It um, was. It was his Guardians run, I believe. Guardians. Yeah, I mean, it was Guardians. But this book is great. I don't know. It is exactly... It's, it's the most Donny Cates thing that's it, ever it, happened. I don't know about the most. It has a lot there. It's very... It is... It is. It Every time I read the Donny Cates Thor, I, it is, I'm reminded of his, his tweet about it with, when he talked to Jason Aaron for the first time after he knew he was writing Thor. After he was writing Thor, after Jason Aaron was, after what Jason Aaron did with the character, and Jason Aaron's like, I re- I read God Country, you got this, you're no problem, you can handle this. Yeah, and God God Country was was a, a Thor comic, exactly, and I think that's exactly exactly right. It's just, it, we, I don't think we make any bones about our enjoyment of Donny Cates comic books. Uh, Nick Klein does beautiful art on this thing. I'm a buy. It's not. It's simple. It's easy. It it handles what it does really well. Eric, are you a buy? No, throw it in the garbage. I hate all comic books. Why do you? I mean, especially that, this one. Sometimes it, the way we talk, it can't sound like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, that's yet to come. Fair, but you are a buy. I mean, yeah, you'd be you'd be stupid not to not to read this. Okay, like I said, like I spoiled it like five minutes ago. Double mm-hmm. buy, Thor number two. Next up, Dark Agnes, number one, written by Becky Cloonan, art Luca Pizzari, colors J. David Ramos. Is that 
God, the 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 type on this f- credits page is. I think that's a. <laughs> I think that's a J. David Ramos in letters. Travis Lanham. Well, as the saying goes, a, a person that would letter space black letter would steal sheep. I don't know. It, it's I don't just, know. It's a thing that someone said that famously. Oh, okay. I've never really understood it either, but okay. You sh- you still shouldn't letter space black letter because it because you can't fucking read it. <laughs> it's important to read the things you're trying to write. I, I mean, if 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 it's text, yes. The, the the primary thing is it should read. You should be able to read it. It's like building a roof with holes in it. <laughs> that, not a good roof. It has holes. No, it's a shitty roof if it's got fucking holes in it. Do you like Dark Agnes, number one, Eric? Uh, This is good, but it feels just like almost like housekeepy explaining what's going on for the most part it's fun i don't know i don't hate this but i could easily pass on it as much as i like clunan and as much as i do have some fun with this this is it's fine i I don't know i think this is a this is the this is for me this is textbook i will read it in trade this is textbook like yeah i think in trade maybe even two trades like Mm -hmm. 12 issues in I don't, you know, I I think you'll get, you know, complete story arcs and you'll get, you know, you don't have to, you know, this is like a teaser for the adventure to come. This feels very much like Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, swashbuckly fantasy movies, at least the ones they used to make in the 80s. And they don't make them anymore because no one gets to see them. Um, And I think it will be more enjoyable. It's not that, like you said, I think I back up everything you just said, where it's a lot of fun. Mm I think it's just missing a little bit of oomph. Like there's just a something there that's just not. Yeah. I don't know. It it's, the, it just feels, I don't know, very kind of heavy handed expository stuff. And but it doesn't it doesn't do it in a way that bores me. But it just it it feels like it feels like the appetizer. Right. And I think I just will like you know I I think a trade would be yeah a good. I get a good chunk of this and then and I, I could see two or three of these on a shelf and i'm like ooh, written by becky clunan weird swashbuckly lesbian okay sounds it, fun is she a lesbian she's she's flirting with the the woman who's inexplicably at a bar with a nun oh okay i, I guess i just missed that I think they they both were i and i and her uh, okay I, I i don't really know anything I always I just viewed her as like in love with battle, not necessarily kind of asexual, like uh, just wants to murder people <laughs> for fun. That's her. That's her that love life. She's her. The one. No, maybe it is. Can't tell. I can't hear you, Eric. Well, that's because I'm not talking into the microphone. Well, that's kind of important in podcast. I, I think, think they have their. I think they have their characters mixed up in this, but that's all good. I think I'm like. A very, I think, to reflect my my opinion. I think I'm a very mushy buy. Um, I'm a mush meter four. I don't. I can't even. I can't even go. I can't even go all the way five. I just. I would say pass on it. I would definitely. I would definitely be interested in a collected edition of these. But I, I, I can't in good conscience tell someone to buy this. It's it's 
it's more or less just fine. Okay. Split decision on Dark Agnes number one, Motion Meter four. Next up, we get a duo of Comixology Submit comics, which are basically just indie books, like actual indie books, not Image, who call themselves indie, even though they have 30% of the marketplace. <laughs> Do they really have that much? I mean, I think they're like, hover- they get up to 30% depending on the month, but it can be like 28, I say, I thought 25. I thought they were only 10-ish to 15-ish. Oh, I thought it was higher than that. I don't know. The, the probably, numbers that I had I seen mean, in the past, but it, it it's probably the, lower the, the now. Frankly, shifted. now now it's ninety percent scholastic. <laughs> well, I mean, without Walking Dead or Saga, I imagine Image yeah. is doing a lot a lot worse not on as, a monthly not basis. As much. Yeah. Um. So these are you know these are comics already submit books. I thought just take a look, dip our toe into it. Uh, first is Just Say Number One, art and story by Miguel C. Hernandez. Uh, like a samurai story ninja story i guess someone who's like i'm gonna make a comic about the ninja scroll movie i've never i've never seen ninja scroll i saw it when i was 16 and oh my god it fucking i couldn't even believe myself there's all kinds of shit that happens in that movie is that good or bad (laughs) <laughs> i mean it's a good it's it's a it is a movie that i enjoy to okay. this day i think it is i think it is good but there's like it is it was in the most violent thing that i had seen and also quite possibly the most sexually explicit thing that i had seen and i mean and until i saw yuratsuki doji when i was like had just turned 18 okay what do you think about this Eric? I don't like it. Okay. It's 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 fine. It's got some pages that look very good. It is uh a lot of fluff and nothing. This is this is I don't know, just very textbook American weeb. I want to <laughs> make a, a a comic about something Japanese and the whole setting feels stolen from Ninja Scroll. She fucking calls him Shinobi because this guy knows one Japanese word and puts it in his comic book. It, it it's it's fine. It might be better later. This and 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 God bless you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like to be so harsh on um shut up. <laughs> on on independent creators. I like don't this. like it. I don't like to be hard, but i'm trying to walk it back because i'm realizing like i don't know this is an entity creator and it is like there's merit to it but i don't it's it's decidedly not for me i i i feel like i'm punching down too much to really i feel really guilty about everything i just said when i think about it a little bit more but i don't i don't enjoy this and i think that it falls into that category there are people that might thoroughly enjoy this but in terms of an issue it feels kind of empty manga is manga is very empty but you get like 10 of them for like five bucks and it comes out every week you know this is not going to have another issue for a while and there's like practically zero content in it we 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 barely we have two characters that are introduced and we get some stakes and that's 
the beginning and end of it. And it's very weedy. <laughs> so. I don't really care about that. Um, I, I think... I do think the art is, I like the art. I like it. I think it, it, it is the thing that shines above everything else in this. I do think some of the dialogue feels a little, uh, like it's missing punctuation at times. It feels like there should be more commas. I mean, I'm pretty heavy on my commas. I'm a pretty comma heavy writer myself, but I, so you can, you can take this, this criticism, Mine is it's written by weebs and Robbie says there should be commas. There should be a couple more commas, I think, <laughs> at times. It's not that the dialogue's bad. It just feels like there should be – there's like – there are phrases here where there's no pauses and it feels like no one would talk. Just like uninterrupted, no breaths. This I want w- some direct address commas, Shinobi. Yeah, exactly. Frankly, that is – Jesus That's Christ. part of it. I, I mean that's that's really not that big a complaint. That's just like, you know. No, I, it's not. I this is a this is a neat looking two dollar comic. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge problem with it, but I don't know. I I, I do think that this one should probably be graded on the curve. <laughs> I I yeah, I'm not gonna be super hard on the like you know. No, and I uh, feel I honestly I don't know. I, I get so I get so wound up. I'm. Uh, we're not we're not we're not analyzing Jeff Johns here. This is not yet. This is a small indie creator. We'll get there. This is this is this is this is ostensibly the kind of comic friends of mine would create. And I would certainly encourage them and I would certainly buy a copy from them. Yes. You know, but like any comics are incredible, like as an, a self-published person myself, as yeah. it is incredibly hard to get anyone to even read your comic book not to mention like get it to sell in any concernable mm-hmm. sense without spending a gajillion dollars on marketing yeah. um so i thought just look at things give something a highlight even if it's not you know a world killer or something i th- i th- i think it has its merit i think i would you know you c- i i think i would generally encourage people just to check out comicsology submit books and see if anything catches your eye not even necessarily this but anything yeah like uh, things outside of even indie publishers like Dark Horse or Image or Boom or or Valiant or any you know any of them, just the people the people are just on their own. I think certainly it's yeah. some of them are young creators or or beginners or people who've made literally a single comic book, but also there's like hey that's it's interesting to see. Mm-hmm that stuff even if it's not great it's only two bucks it's not this is not a six dollar comic like it's not a ten dollar anthology about wonder woman no it's not that where where all she does is do a hero pose in the sunset uh i hesitate to give this a buy or do not buy yeah i i know where you're coming from I, I hesitate because it's I don't I honestly I, I kinda like this. I think it's just it's I would honestly like if this was a longer form thing, if having read this first issue, I would happily buy a trade of it for like ten dollars and see what it was mm-hmm. see what it did in like five or six issues. I would I would buy a, a, a print or something from this person. I think there are a lot of pages that look really good. Yeah. Um but I I don't know. I I <laughs> I'm too cynical about my Westerners doing Japanese stuff at this point. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't. I try. I've been, I've, I've been that weeb too many times. I think that's, it's, it's maybe it's it's self-hate. I don't know. It's a cycle. Uh, we can move on to our last book. It's Teller, number one, another Comixology Submit book written by Andre Mateus, art Daniel de Silva Lopez, revision by Francisco Ferreira, whatever that means. The fuck does that mean? I don't know. It's it's just like they don't know the word editor. I, I guess so. Uh, what, what? This book I might be a little bit harder on. I want to be hard on it too. I but I I also I don't know. There, I, but I will also say that there are parts of it that I enjoy. Like despite it's myself, not all, it's not all bad. I feel like I feel like this one swings harder than the last one. I mean, it's trying for very weird things. There's like very strange yeah. things happening, which I kind of i'm down for that like hey just make a really weird story mm-hmm. some of it's hackneyed some of it's a little you know tropey yeah but there's I also think, i think i mean hackneyed and tropey can can work yes it can it's not like it's terrible i i i like this shapeless detective character <laughs> he's just this potato man he's just a potato man and everyone's just like kind of like dealing with the fact that there's this potato detective and everyone's it like maybe think of like concrete or like yeah it did 90s comics but I, I like him frankly i think and that kind of carries most of this like i could deal with most of this just because i like this weird design of this mm-hmm. detective I, I think my actual, like, complaint complaint, aside from, like, some of the writing is just kind of, like, dialogue's very, like, noir detective standard, is mm-hmm. the final couple pages are kind of in, I didn't understand what was happening. I, I I couldn't tell you what happened in this book. I mean, I know, I understand it now because you go to the end and it has, like, a, uh, like, the, the, you should have to read a synopsis. Yeah, oh. I know. I understand. No. That's it, should tell you exactly what's going on. But I feel yeah. like it's trying to do a little too much in one issue. I think that's the honestly the problem, or if it just isn't paced as well as it could be. Yeah, it could be doing more. But I think it's kind of doing the opposite thing of the last <laughs> book, which does way too little. And this one is really, I don't know. It. it I love God the ta- I, make, I like make make your weird comics. I like the I like Teller the potato detective. <laughs> he's yeah, he, man. He's he's kind of neat. Oh yeah, it's just but he he should he should work with Penn Gillette, who eats only potatoes now. Ah! <laughs> what was that? That, was, that just got me out of nowhere. Oh God! He should work with Benjulet, who only eats potatoes. You fucking heard that, right? I've talked about that. <laughs> yes, you have. I just wasn't His weird vegan potato <laughs> diet. I mean, he lost all... nine hundred pounds, and he looks like a fucking ghost. Potatoes is all you need, Eric. It has all the nutrients you need. I, you know, I'm. Uh, God bless you. But I, I, I will refrain I need, I need from a, some protein. I would, I would certainly encourage people to check this one out as well. Uh, just go check it out in your Comixology app. Take a look at it. Yeah. And frankly, these books are just me just uh, me trying to like, hey, like go check out those books in general. Like go at, every week I go to Comixology. I mean, every other two weeks, technically, I look at, at the books that come out and a good chunk of them are books like this, where it's just like... Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, we could have... You could have read 
um, the end of the fucking world, you know, if you're following things like this. Yes. I mean, Forsman didn't put it online first. I think he made like little ash cans or whatever. But, you know, you never know who's going to come up with something brilliant. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting seeing this stuff that is raw at times, sometimes flawed, yeah. but can have like interesting things like Potato Detective. I've, I like I really like Potato Detective. Um, you ready to talk about his other name th- should have been Sam Spud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at you laughing now. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus Christ. It's, it's very good. I like Sam Spud. <laughs> we can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to for the past couple weeks. Uh, make recommendations or, or, you know, whatever. Video games, movies, television. Eric, what's up? <sighs> Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I don't I don't do fun things anymore. It's stressing me out. You should probably do some fun things once in a while. I know. I I I laid down this afternoon after reading all our books and kind of rested. I'm like, oh my god, life is amazing. But I, I I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a lot of things. I'm talking to screen printers and I'm talking to Chinese people about making keychains they're literally telling me that they can't ship until like basically what the 10th of this month because of the coronavirus i i don't know it's a lot of things i'm juggling and i am gonna paint a mural in a couple of days so god there's just too much going on and i don't do fun things anymore i did uh i i i uh did watch the new beginning what was Ah. it in osaka Yes. Yeah. It was really good. Did you did you manage to watch yet? I did not have any time today. A lot of these, you know, it's house shows and tag matches, but there's a lot of good in, in, in this. I skipped a lot of tag matches. I mean, this watched. had, what, Moxley Suzuki. Had... It had Moxley Suzuki. It had... Uh, Ta- uh, it had Hiroma Takahashi mm-hmm. versus Dragon Lee, uh, Ryu Lee, formerly oh. known as Dragon Lee. They just used, and, the, they uh, just used, they just used the Japanese word for it. Yes, Dragon. which wh- why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, think it's, I mean, uh, like if Taz can get away with being Taz with one more or one less Z's. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it doesn't. I mean, Penta was P- Pentagon went from Pentagon Junior to Penta L zero M. You know, like I, you don't need to, you don't need to reinvent the wheel here. No, and then we get in Kenta versus Naito. Yeah, which was fun. Naito was insanely covered in blood by the end. I saw that. That that man bleeds more than Ric Flair. I well, I ble- I'm fairly certain he did that. And totally a purpose he just was like oh i mean it, wrestlers have never cut themselves open i'm not to get even a crowd reaction I'm are not, you crazy i'm not even sure he, that he like actually bladed i 
like I think he might have just literally just popped his head directly onto that the uh the bolt that the turnbuckle generally covers. Like he I think he might have just hardwayed himself the amount of blood there was. Like that's a lot of blading. If he bladed it that's was crazy that's how a, much there was. It's a lot of blood really fast. He would have had to blade it real deep. Yeah. It was disgusting. Yep. Um, but it was they were all three really fun matches. I didn't like watch them super intensely and I'm not going to give you my my Dave Meltzer ratings <laughs> okay. on them, but uh, it was fun, and I usually kind of skip this this event, but seeing Naito uh, defend his belts and seeing the um, seeing this thing progress with Kenta Kenta being in a main event, a, a lot of good, and Hiromu was predictably adorable I like do you know story. what the big announcement was at the end oh yeah i mean i spoiled i know all the results that's what i was gonna say that, that um hiromu is going to face naito yeah that should be very good yeah i wonder if they're gonna i doubt they will they never have the junior champ beat the heavyweight but i'd like to see it who knows what's gonna happen i'm sure it'll just be awesome I kind of, it's one of those matches that I just, I kind of don't care about the results. No, I don't either. It does, it's an exhibition it's just, anyway, so. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous and awesome. Hey, Eric. What's up, bud? I did some things. Okay. I saw a movie. Neat. Called Color Out of Space. That, so you didn't, you didn't see Birds of Prey like everyone else. I didn't, I apparently, I've, well, from the box office reports, no one went and saw Birds of Prey. Yeah, only all of my friends, only comic book nerds saw this fucking movie. Uh, unsurprisingly. Um, I saw Color Out of Space. It's a, it's a schlocky horror movie with Nicolas Cage in it. Lovecrafty, and it's a, based on a Lovecraft story. Um, it's a lot of fun. I liked it's very it's very gross. Uh it's a lot of body horror stuff in it. Uh Nicolas Cage makes a lot of capital C choices with his character. He plays a dad and he like starts going crazy. They all everyone starts going crazy at a certain point in the movie, but it's very it's a very pink movie, very purple movie. Very a very so you know it looks like comics have for the past uh five ten years yes exactly it looks a lot like that but it's you know it takes influences from body snatchers and the thing and like all the i mean those things were all influenced by lovecraft in the first place so this is just kind of an extension of that recycling reflecting back on itself again but you know it's about unknown unknown otherworldly things and how they affect how they would affect earth and how they would affect people but it's mostly just like gross body horror and people losing their minds and crazy monsters and like weird comedy at times. Um, I think like watch the trailer for it. You immediately know if this movie's for you or not. Uh, don't go in expecting like Citizen Kane or, or something like that. It is, but I had a lot of fun with it. I'll watch it again. Um, the it's other really weird. It's really, it's really not on brand for you at all to watch a horror movie. I know. Uh, the other thing I have, I have to talk about is a book, Eric. Mm -hmm. it's called the library at mount char it's by scott hawkins this is his first novel it is a fantasy horror book it's very hard to describe it because it 
for a large part of it, you're trying to parcel it's it it's not like Neil Stevenson at all, but it reminds me of a Neil Stevenson book where like it's a puzzle. Hmm. And you he's giving you pieces and you have to like put them together and make it make sense. But if you're if you know what you're like, if you can read it well enough and kind of parse parse it out well enough, it the pieces are there. You can totally make sense of it. And it starts off I, 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 it's hard to like it's about a family of kids who are adopted by this figure called the father who is ancient and has all the knowledge of the world and is basically god and the novel starts with the news that father has gone missing and is probably dead and so all his children which all handle different catalogs of his library basically he's been tutoring all of them to learn different things one learns war another learns medicine another learns language another learns uh, mathematics another learns you know death another learns the future like they all learn all these different catalogs and they are trying to piece together what happened to father chapter two of this book is buddhism for assholes there's also a couple human characters in it who are not these weird demigods. Uh, and it bounces back and forth kind of perspectives between these these children of fa- the father and these normal humans dealing with the effects on the real world of this stuff. And I think that's as much as I can talk about it without spoiling things. I <laughs> will say that I love this book. I think it's great. It's kind of Im- very impressive to me that this is his first novel. It, it has a really good handle of character voices and getting there's a lot of characters in it. There's 12 children plus a lot of miscellaneous characters, and they all have distinct voices, which is very difficult to do with such a big cast. Um, I will say that it's certainly a fantasy novel because it handles a lot of crazy things, you know, against the rules of the physics and quote unquote magic, even though. The, the novel itself kind of did, ends up circling back around that none of it is magic, but it also is oh, it is very gory and very horrific. There are some awful things that happen in this book, um, so don't read it unless you have a strong stomach. And I mean that. Uh, there's a couple things that turn my stomach, and I am pretty desensitized to graphic imagery. And it still is like, oh my god. I don't believe, oh, it's just, it makes you kind of like, it makes me wince. Um, Library Mount Char, Scott Hawkins. I totally recommend it, though. For any horror fans, any fantasy horror fans, it's like really revelatory. And it's kind of a novel that I'm actually excited if they ever do a sequel. If he ever writes a sequel, I'm actually excited for that. It's like, I'm usually not down for sequels of things, but not for books, especially. I just kind of want to read a story and then be done with it. And this, I'm totally down for more. Just because the world itself, the the thing it it the, the the world he builds is something I've never read before. Buddhism for assholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not of, is for assholes, but specifically tailored for them. T- tailored for assholes. I mean, one of the uh, one of the human characters is he ta- he calls himself a Buddhist, but he's also an asshole. So he you know he tries to balance between the two. <laughs> I mean that is that is what that that is what Zen is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's about that's it. That's what Thich Nhat Hanh said. Don't be an asshole. You ready? You ready to to pull to eat this frog? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know. Let's yeah. just talk about wrestling. No, for no, we, well, and then, and then nope. just, just just hang it up. No, we got to talk about Doomsday Clock, Eric. We have to do it. <laughs> it's time for our final segment. It is time for Durbo Book Club. Nerbo Book Club is part of the show where Eric and I sign a longer collected work and discuss in a depth like you would a book in a book club, except it is a comic book. Today we are discussing Doomsday Clock uh, by Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Colors Brad Anderson, and Letters Rob Lay. In case you were living like on the moon or something, Doomsday Clock. What, what about Mars? Also Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doomsday Clock is the sequel to Watchmen. Even though they tried to dance around that, it's not the sequel to Watchmen. Then it is the sequel to Watchmen, depending on who you ask in the company. Jeff John says it's not a sequel. Dan DiDio says it is. Um, but it is a sequel to Watchmen, where the plan, the the massacre in New York that Ozymandias orchestrates at the end of the original book ends up failing. It is that the uh, Rorschach's journal gets out there. Everyone learns that it's a cover up, and the world is on the their universe is on the brink of nuclear annihilation again and ozymandias a new rorschach and a duo of villains basically jump to the dc universe to try and find dr manhattan who has traveled there because they because ozymandias thinks dr manhattan is the only person that can solve all of it does that sound about right eric that that's a good elevator pitch version of this story yes but it kind of that's not it kind of spins out from that into a lot of other things uh most most of it is bad Mm. is my i i try to i really tried to give this a chance eric i think i did too and i don't think that every single bit of it is terrible but i don't know it's 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 difficult to say like sometimes you can take a bad idea and i mean i guess that really is what i guess that really is the problem is you can take a, a bad idea and execute it very well and make a a, a a halfway decent or interesting thing out of it and this is a bad idea and it is largely not executed all that well so i guess i, I guess i don't know i think that's what i was wrestling around with that i it's all it's interesting we have this collected in one book and then we have the issues for seven through twelve that we read and it almost feels like a break there to where i don't know there's things that i like about that first half and then the rest just devolves into a bunch of vaguely dc comics themed mush and i i i don't know it did just get sort of harder and harder to read and i i don't know i enjoyed it less and less oh yeah absolutely it's 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 challenging to it's challenging to speak about it in articulate ways just because it's the the, i don't know the, the ending just feels like so much hand waving it just is such just i don't know it feels like the thing that that Kieran Gillen was making fun of. Yes. Even even more so. Yeah. You know, like like he's 
making fun of like taking the wrong taking the wrong lessons from Watchmen and this this like tries to copy all those things and and just no doesn't doesn't do it well misses the point of why it was good i i I don't know. It, it, it's it's like Artman without, or it's like Watchmen without the artfulness. It just, ugh, it just. Ugh. There's when I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, how do I judge this? How do I, you know, like I try not to judge things by what they're not t- trying to be. I try and judge by what is this book trying to do? Does it achieve that? And I don't know what this book is trying to do. To me, it it felt like it was trying very hard. It's trying to copy the things that it thought were great about the Watchmen story. I almost kind of in the same way that the Zack Snyder movie was trying to, but, but you know, in the same way it turned like it, it made um, <clears throat> Night Owl like this ripped guy. And like, there's this like, oh yeah, blam, you know, beating guys up bullshit in slow motion and like yeah that's that's really what watchmen's about great job this is kind of failing at that like missing the point it it just like and i think the first half is stronger than the second half because it's simpler it's more concise it's it's more characters study than it is like the greater arc of what's going on because like within i won't like i enjoyed the characters my marionette in particular i like them a lot i like them a lot too um i i i kind of i got to a point where i liked reggie and then i really didn't like reggie at all um which is reggie reggie is rorschach the, the rorschach yeah. yeah new rorschach um i i I, you know, I like that when it was just, okay, you have the those four and they're coming in the DC universe and Batman's there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can deal with that. And then, and then like Reggie's in Arkham. Okay. Sure. It's useful because it's developed going back in his character about how he was in, he was hospitalized before because of the incident in New York. Okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. I like that. It's treading like I don't know how much of this is also related to me watching the Watchmen television show, which I don't I have not, yeah. I I recorded a podcast about it, which has not been released yet, with Andrew Bloom. Uh I think I've uh, after the I I'm kinda like I was very like mixed feelings about it when I recorded the 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 episode, I think I've reflected on it and I think I appreciate it more now. I think that television show is better than this. Uh, I think the TV TV show does better things. Like, I don't think it justifies you using the Watchmen property. Most people are very, very high on that show, though. Yes, they are. I don't deny that whatsoever. And I think a lot of it is deserved. I think it it, it does what it's trying to do very well. I just don't think a lot of my resentment towards it is we're going to talk about it with this is very much its attachment to the Watchmen properties. Why does it have to be a sequel to The Watchmen? Why can't it just be a superhero story? Does it need Watchmen in this to make it work? Etc. But 
it does a lot more, a lot more interesting things than this does. It, it, the television show, it delves into, uh, white supremacy and, uh, white supremacists burrowing into our police departments around the world mm. and the way that, you know, the way the, the nature of power and its insidiousness, all that's really interesting. And that's all those things are better, I think, in that television show than in this comic, which feels in those second six issues, the second half of it, it feels like a mess. It's just a bunch of like we have pro like there's so we have the four travelers from the Watchmen universe coming over looking for Dr. Manhattan. And then there's a a bunch of mess about protests against metahumans and the Superman and the, the and the fact that the government like there's this whole plot about the government mm-hmm. remaking superheroes and the whole world fighting against them and like that's the that's the 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 problem that is making all these world the the countries wanting to fight each other is because they've are building superhero armies or like yeah. and then like it feels like like they're getting to what you know Watchmen makes it very clear that the the nuclear nuclear war is almost outdated because once america gets dr manhattan cuz dr manhattan uh, makes everything else obsolete there is no nothing else can touch him he can yet what you launch a nuke he makes it disappear he turns it into snowflakes like as long as he's around there is no threat and it feels very much like this comic wants to like try and push the angle of like oh escalation nuclear escalation with superheroes and now there's superheroes in every country and they all have their own teams and they're all fighting each other and it's a bunch of garbage on the page and you can't read anything and you don't know why they're really fighting and firestorm is really important all of a sudden (laughs) it just feels very phony where obviously i think um it's a very real anxiety to to be anxious about nuclear war yes where and 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 watchmen was shaped around that anxiety yes as a it's a central theme mm-hmm. in it to where this is like out of spit and band-aids trying to make a narrative to mirror that and may and tie it into the dc universe and it it is it's a bunch of incomprehensible sludge and i, I and then then there's also the jokers here for some reason why he did look really nice the way that he was drawn i i think this book looked great gary it frank, looks fucking amazing gary frank's great the art in it is it, very good it looks tremendous i love the way that it looks I, it's the thing that makes it the most palatable through these 12 issues yeah, absolutely. No, no, no dissension. The art is the best part of it. It looks. I mean, if he was, if he was just a little bit better artist, this could win for best writing, <laughs> and it could win an Eisner. Yeah. Um. And you know, and I think, and it's also trying so hard to have the meta narrative with the serial the pulp mm-hmm. detective thing going on and then the pulp the actor yeah. who's in that being important to Dr. Manhattan for some reason and why 
like you look back at Watchmen, Watchmen is simple. It's really simple at the end of the day. It's all it is is Ozymandias. He has a plan and he's executing it. And it's it's obscured from the outside in. So we're looking in and we're going like, well, what's going on? The comedian's been killed, and then oh, we now we did, we are discovering along with the 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 world. Oh, he he was we didn't you know oh Edward Blake he was the comedian, and then we're you know we're going through these character studies of each of these heroes, and eventually we peel apart. Oh, Ozymandias is doing all this. Why? And and all of the time we have this background information of. You know, the doomsday clock of, you know, two minutes to midnight, one minute to midnight. Oh, no. And escalation, escalation, escalation. And it's revealed. Oh, no. Ozymandias has this plan. And he's this is all he's been doing this entire time is executing his plan. Because he just he's trying to save the world, even if it kills three million people. He doesn't care. And this, you know, the dark efficiency of this hero. But the the who is involved in all this story to, in, in the original Watchmen? Ozymandias, Dr. Manhattan, Silk Spectre, Night Owl, Rorschach. That's it. I mean, we have flashback sequences with Comedian and, uh, you know, older, the older Watchmen characters. But there's not a hundred characters on page at any time. How are you going to do the hero pose splash page if there aren't a hundred characters? And, like... So does like there's I I asked earlier I was like well I had to decide how I'm going to judge this thing if I'm like one how do I you know I have to decide what it's trying to do does that achieve that I don't know what it's trying to do so I don't know um does it entertain me uh parts of it I think are entertaining and then most of it is frustrating to read like not even on like does it do I like what's in it it's just hard to read I don't know like there's yeah. so many pages with so many characters on it why 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 is there well, it's because watchman was wordy so this has to be wordy and dense and filled with crap i mean i don't mind a lot of dialogue if it's meaningful and does something but it's all this who ca- why does why does the gov- why does firestorm matter why is why are these all these politics with all these dc superheroes who cares why does it matter at the end of the day like you're not you're 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 obscuring your story make it simpler keep it simple stupid why why are we worrying about black adam and kondok why are we having russian superheroes fight israeli superheroes why are we sending people to mars why is luther and lois lane there why is this a dc crossover all of a sudden the book itself at the very end centers itself on superman it says, because all this is, this is all a fucking bait and switch bullshit anyway, because all this is, <laughs> is restructuring the DC universe. This is all this is. This is all bullshit, bait and switch. Hey, none of this shit actually matters. This is all of us a way to like wipe away the new 52 and all that nonsense that we introduced in the first place. Everything that's ever, ex- this is Grant Morrison. This is everything that's ever existed is back. Who gives a shit? We'll we'll fucking we'll fucking figure it all out as we write it. Everything that's ever existed, all those heroes from the 1930s to 3040, all those heroes are here. Uh, we have them all. All the Robins exist. All that, whatever. But the book itself centers itself on Doctor Manhattan 
seeing and understanding that Superman is the most important thing. He is what this meta universe shapes itself around because he's the first superhero. And we can get in, Eric, you can, I can, we, I'll get in on this, the, this awful garbage of this meta universe. I hate it. But the book itself centers itself on Superman at the end. He is the most important thing. He's integral. If he is the important thing, if he is the most important thing, why is everything else so important? Why is everything else happening? If all it, if the, the core, the core reveal at the end of this, the hinge at which this mystery o- 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 uh, reveal is, is, you know, what is Ozymandias' second plan? And the, his second plan is for Dr. Manhattan to be so moved by Superman's heroism that Dr. Manhattan will go back to the Watchmen universe and fix everything. Stop all the nukes. Save the world. Okay? I'll, let's just take that at face, at face value. That Dr. Manhattan is impressed so much by Superman's heroism that he does do that. Where he realizes, man, look at Superman. He is the best. He's so heroic. He Even when he has all the reasons in the world to hurt me, he doesn't. And I move so much, I'm going to change history. I'm going to go back, teleport back to this world that I hate. And I'm going to fix everything, make sure everyone survives. Take that at face value. Why do we have four issues of multiple teams, hundreds of superheroes with this is without exaggeration, hundreds of superheroes, many of which I've never heard of before. Some probably made up on the spot, I'm assuming. And if not, not made up on the spot, then they are deep, deep cuts. Why are they in this comic book? If all that matters is Superman and his heroism. You, you mean to show you why? Uh, do I? This is this is why. Because they love doing that. They think that that makes books important, or rather, they think that readers think that that's important. Right. Because they do it again in like three pages. I I, I yeah. There's but so ma- many heroes on the page. Eric has sent me a splash page with. Superman and many other heroes flying at the screen, flying at the viewer. And, then and there again. it is again. And there it is again. Um, two pages later. Two pages so, later. So, so this is uh, this is a conversation that I chose not to be a part of because it was a bunch of dumbasses that were dunking on somebody on Twitter who said that he thought that splash pages are bad storytelling and immediately i thought of all the when i read the the screen cap that everyone was dunking on i thought of all the zillions of comics i've seen that were this that in in instead of anything fucking real that it builds up to someone doing the fucking hero pose in front of a sunset and then there's there's their logo or here's 50 heroes and this is this is this is what we get in place of real emotion. We get the same dumb shit that we've seen in 80 comics. And maybe it worked in the first Superman movie, like fucking 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Uh, like How are fucking many years ago? Like 50. Huh? Like 40, 43. That's not what I'm talking about. 
the first I'm Superman talking about movie? The Christopher Reeve movie. Yeah, it's 77. It's 40 years ago. Is it 77? I thought it was in the 80s. No, it's 77. Okay. So it's 43 years ago. Okay. No, that's I think it's 77. I mean, I mean, it was. I, it was I believe impressive. you. It just doesn't look. It, it looks like an '80s movie to me. I never, I never really dated the thing. I, I assumed it was early '80s when it came out. 70, 77 is pretty close to the '80s. I don't 70, know. Seventy-eight is the year. Seventy-eight, still pretty close to the '80s. I mean, what are years? It's true. They're they're nothing as I get older. But like I, God Almighty, it it it. I mean, was he? Because it really does feel like such a shift, and it—the whole thing was a dumb gimmick from the get-go. But like, I don't know. It's like there is that break, and then it's like stuff all this DC stuff in there, put a bunch of splash pages on there because that's—was it because it was not selling? Was there editorial coming in and saying you have to put? more of this crap in there instead of just telling a story about these guys from the Watchmen universe interacting with Batman and Superman. It feels just so phony and artificial. I just, ugh, blah. And then, I mean, and that's the other, that's another question I had was like, and how I judge this, does it justify making itself a Watchmen sequel? Like, I, I, I think there is certainly people who don't revere Watchmen anymore, who kind of probably resent it for what it, how it affected comic books. But I, you and I still, I think, treat it with reverence as a masterpiece. And if you're going to make a sequel to it, you better justify yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use those characters again, who I, you know, I don't, I feel like that book stands on its own. It doesn't need, it doesn't need a postscript. It doesn't need more material it doesn't need to be referenced again it doesn't need a prequel or a sequel it doesn't need anything it is perfect by itself not without touching it so if you're going to use those characters again if you're going to make me you know bring those toys back out of the toy box you to me you have to justify it and i don't like this this book certainly doesn't do that like like why is Ozymandias in this? Like, why? Why is why why is Doctor Manhattan in this? Why why does Doctor Manhattan come here? Like, he, they they try and exp- like do some the weird meta universe and how everything sh- shapes itself and the, the the that is the other thing that the fucking television show does that pisses me off so badly is Doctor Manhattan does things because he knows he does them in the future. <laughs> and then and then the people who are defending the show and this comic book say oh well he did that in the original watchman no not really i feel like this also kind of gets his powers they don't understand what alan moore was writing i i, I don't think he can fucking time travel or whatever in the fuck it, it i mean that's the thing they just treat him like a plot device yes and that's the problem my main problem with the television show at the end of the day is that they treat dr manhattan like a plot device and any character change he ha- like he doesn't read his dr manhattan to me this is not dr manhattan um i guess it's ozymandias even though it's not really ozymandias to me doesn't I- feel like it, it, it he feels like a fucking vaudeville like 
like a villain. You yeah, know? like he the, feels the like pulp, snidely whiplash. The pulp, the pulp serial villain he decries at the end of Watchmen. He's yeah. like, I'm not a Republic serial villain. Yeah, I did it 30 minutes ago. Yeah, that's the punch. That's the whole. That's the 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 stomach punch. And they treat him like he is. And it's the same thing the television show does. And I really uh, like the television show does everything right, except get Dr. Manhattan Ozymandias right. And the comic doesn't even do that. It doesn't get any of it right, really, to me. Like, it gets some of those miscellaneous characters, but they're all forgotten by the end of this thing. Reggie becomes Rorschach for some reason. Why? He hates Rorschach, and then he's like, oh, well, now you can become Rorschach and change what we think of him. I'm like, why would he do that? He killed his dad. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What is wrong with you? What are you doing? No sane, no person would ever, like, go, oh, to be a real hero, I have to take the face of the man that basically murdered my father? Drove my father to suicide? What? That makes no fucking sense whatsoever. I I'm gonna ask you a question, Eric. The end of Watchmen ends with, and, and this is something that the this comic book and the television show is kind of based around. They they base themselves around the idea that Ozymandias' plan ends up failing. To you, when you read Watchmen, that book ends with the world backing down from nuclear war because of a common threat of these tentacle monsters. Of the, the, the psychic trauma and the, the mm -hmm. whatever, the aliens. In your mind, do you see Ozymandias' plan? Did you think, oh, it worked? So therefore, uh, I'll just make it that question. In your <laughs> mind, at the end of Watchmen, did you see that plan wor as working? Honestly, it very much felt like it, you know, from the pull away. The, the, the question that you're left with is is this crackpot far right zine are 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 they going to break the story and is anyone going to care that's what you're supposed to walk away with not i mean, I mean kieran gillen also presumes that it fails it's odd to me that 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 everyone i mean i guess you have to to carry on yeah I'm, I'm, and that's the thing to me, I guess, and I think that is a fundamental difference between me and a lot of people who are watching these things and thinking they're great and going, yeah, of course. I'm like, well, the whole point of that book, to me, or at least not the whole point, a point of that book is that Ozymandias' plan works, is that he sacrifices three million people mm -hmm. at a calculated cost, and he drops a squid monster on the world and kills a bunch of people with that and psychic psychic trauma and traumatizes a bunch of other people. But because of this new, of a shared terror of this thing, the whole world backs down and unites. And I always thought that was the point is that Ozymandias, even before you knew that he did this horrible thing, he, no one liked him. He was an asshole. Sure, he's the smartest <laughs> smartest man in the world, but yeah, he's the smartest man in the world, smartest ass in the world. He was, you know, he was an idiot, even though he was always right. That's what made him so hateable is that he's always right. He know he always knows what to do, and he's perfect. And there's nothing you can do to deny him. And the the part of the tragedy at the end of that book is the fact that he is right. And like, look, I fixed it. 
Certainly, yeah, it cost three million lives. So, so what? Who cares? Saved another five billion, or whatever it was in 1985. Um, and that's like that's the that's part of the the tragedy and the gravitas of that moment is very much like yeah, I killed a bunch of people. Yeah, so I saved more than I killed, and the knowledge that that weird schism of like oh well, what do I do now that I know like you are now complicit like that book. Well, the original Washington makes the reader complicit because they have this same knowledge that that uh that this you know Night Owl and Silk Spectre and Rorschach and Doctor Manhattan Ozymandias those five people that's all the people that know what really happens and you are complicit with them because you know too and there's nothing you can do with this knowledge and like you just said I always assumed that. Rorschach's journal getting mailed off to this crackpot zine, this independent newspaper, was very much just a reach to like, yeah, the truth gets out, but no one believes it. No one's going to believe this crazy newspaper. No one reads this except conspiracy theorists nuts. And no one on no one in the right mind would actually believe it, and no one will. And I thought that's always what it was. It was never like, oh, it's going to get out there and the world's going to know. It was always like, the truth may be out there, but you can't tell. There's too much misinformation. There's too much obscurement of the truth. It's impossible to see it. And that's what I always envisioned. And now there are two things within a, within a span of a year of each other, two sequels to The Watchmen that both predicate on the opposite. That the news breaks and the whole world suddenly knows that Ozymandias is a liar and that he killed millions of people and it ended up not mattering. I'm like, well, like, why? Like, what's the in- what's interesting about that? I don't think it is interesting, but, you know, you have to make some assumptions to keep going. Yeah, I know. I just, it's, you have, a, to, you have to assume there's more story to tell if you're going to tell more story. <laughs> and if you're going to make a sequel, well, mm-hmm. then you have to assume there's, you can't just open on everything's great. <laughs> All right. Bye. You know, give, why don't you give us a bunch of money? And I, and I always was, and like the, literally the end of, it's so weird to me that both the, both the sequ- the sequels have what Dr. Manhattan interacting with people at all. Like literally the end of Washington is him. I'm leaving. Goodbye. I'm tired of this world and all it's, all it's things. I don't want anything to do with any of this. I want to just go stare at atoms in another galaxy or something. Mm-hmm. That's always what I was like. Why would he's not going to come back to talk to people? Why would he? And yet both of them are like, no, he goes to, he goes to, he wants to go stare at Superman. Yeah. Why? Oh, because he's no. the, the the center of the metaverse. And okay, Eric, I want to talk about the metaverse. I'm going to try and explain this, Eric. I don't know if this is right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even if you do explain it, it's definitely not right. Okay, fair enough. Because it's, it's, it is by its very nature just it is a sin against humanity <laughs> i am i am usually like we t- literally just listened to the the peter cannon book discussion i am the sucker i love meta narratives i love that shit i'll feed it to me with a spoon just put it into my veins but you know how kieran gillen does it with Peter Cannon, he uses analogs and he uses clever construction of pages and he uses clever storytelling 
and the artist has to use unconventional storytelling and draw things that don't look like superhero books. You know, at some point, Karen Gillan saw Doomsday Clock starting, and he says, I'm going to make my own Doomsday Clock with Blackjack and hookers. And hookers. Actually, forget about Doomsday Clock altogether. <laughs> if we, if we, we will. But I'm a sucker for this. But what? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why Dr. Manhattan needs to be a fucking comic book nerd. Why is Dr. Manhattan <laughs> going, oh, man, Superman, whenever I change something in the past... Superman becomes a he, he just it happens again and nothing I can do about it except drop drop the same fucking picture five hundred times throughout time so Lex Luthor has a fucking trail of crumbs to pick up for some reason he doesn't matter to the story and neither does Lois Lane all they do is talk to each other and that's it no one cares. But that's in this comic book, too. Why is Doc- Dr. Manhattan is not a fucking comic book nerd. He doesn't give a shit about, oh, the Golden Age versus the Silver Age versus the Bronze Age. He doesn't give a shit about the New 52. He doesn't fucking care about universes restructuring themselves about meta-narrative. He doesn't care about fucking Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Art, did you scare your cats? They're not here. They know that they they could tell. They they sensed something wrong with me, so they stayed away. Yeah. Doctor Manhattan doesn't give a shit about fucking <laughs> Superman. That is the whole. I, did you? Hey, Jeff well, Johns. Jeff Johns. Did you fucking read Watchmen? Dude, the whole here's fucking the thing. point. Here's the thing. If you're gonna sell a book, if you're gonna sell a book about about. Uh, about Dr. Manhattan meddling in the DC universe. He has to give a shit about Superman. Like, and that's, and <laughs> that's why it was insane. Like Eric, you, I, I was text messaging you while I was reading this and yes, you were very frustrated. And when it got to the point where I'm like, they really one this all one seriously, all this fucking book is a way for them to erase the new 52 and let all the old fucking back canon back into like weird side universes so they can have it when they want it. That's really all not, this not is. Not to mention it's a good way to, you know, capitalize, get to sell comics to nerds like us that like to self-harm and read terrible stuff like this. But the when it got to the point where Dr. Manhattan was so enamored by Superman. Because, yeah, I, because fucking, the, the Dr. Manhattan would not give a shit about Superman. Officially, he would not give a fuck. He would barely notice a difference between Superman and every other person. He could fucking wave his hand and turn him in into dust. Like it it it's so insane. It makes no sense. And we're I'm supposed to believe for one second that Dr. Manhattan is like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I changed. I changed the past. And then, you know what happened? Superman happened again. No matter what I do, there's always a Superman. Dr. Manhattan has a tiny little voice. He has to whisper. 
He does. He's like Black Bolt. And Dr. Manhattan goes, oh my god, I made it so there's no Green Lantern. But still, Superman shows up. And this time his costume is ugly. Like... <laughs> That's literally what I was like. When they cut to New 52 Superman with his god-awful fucking ugly-ass no-red-trunks costume, like, I really wanted him to say something like, oh, god, his costume's ugly this time. Why on earth would professional artist make that ugly-ass thing? Um, There's always a Superman in this meta-universe. The whole... The whole every dimension shapes itself around. Go fuck yourself, Jeff Johns. Go fuck yourself. I cannot take this. What are you doing? And then that's not even it. It's not just that they're using this just to fucking retcon every all their fucking millions of crises over 50 years. They're not just doing that, and they're not just making it so that Dr. Manhattan's like, oh, Superman, he's so impressive. They're also using it to give the Watchmen happy endings. Oh, Ozymandias went to jail, and Dr. Manhattan, for some fucking reason, is a kid now. And I, that is the thing that really pushed me over the edge. Like, literally, Eric, this is, okay, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. I was I had a hockey game on one screen on my computer. Thankfully, the Oilers won, so at least I got that solace out of that. And I was reading a comic book on my iPad. And my wife, Kim, is sitting in the living room. And you know, you've been to my house. You know how far the, the office is from the living room. Mm-hmm. And she's, uh, I think, reading her mm-hmm. own. And I get to the point where they give everyone a happy ending. I put down my iPad, and I just sighed. And I literally sighed so loud that Kim heard me and asked me if I was okay. She thought I was I I was, like something was wrong with me. That's what this comic book did to me. That's hey, Jeff Johns! Hey, Dan DiDio! Hey, anyone else involved with this? The whole fucking point of Watchmen is that it's all fucking melancholy at the end. Everyone has a sad ending. The world is happy because nuclear war is averted, but all these superheroes are all terribly miserable because they know the goddamn truth and what it actually cost. Dr. Manhattan is off the fucking world. He's gone to some other dimension or galaxy to stare at atoms. He doesn't want to talk to people anymore. Rorschach's exploded. Ozymandias is actually like happy with himself which makes it worse night owl and silk specter are just people and they just kind of have to sit with this information because they understand that it's actually for the best but they're sad they don't get a kid dr manhattan doesn't transfer his powers to some son of some mime and marionette or whatever i don't know what the fuck is happening there he just steals a <laughs> he just steals a kid and like why he steals, a, he steals a baby why Eric why does Doctor Manhattan steal a baby I don't know honestly I have no idea <laughs> could someone explain to me why one Doctor Manhattan steals a baby and then becomes the baby <laughs> you know there was a day in 2017. 
when they announced this book and we all laughed at it and we said, I don't want any part of this full stop. That's going to be bad. And as it turns out, if you sit down and read it, it's even more superfluous and unnecessary and people are doing backflips to try and make it work and hand waving at all kinds of things and completely misunderstanding why a thing was made to begin with. And I don't know how, how could this be good? This, 2017 this started. It did. It took a really 2017. long time. It took a really long time. It was like, like being constipated, I guess, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. All I, I don't think, I certainly don't think, I think if you listen to this podcast at all, both Eric and I, neither of us think that the lesson from Watchmen is make Watchmen again. And that's what we talked about a lot with Peter Cannon Thunderbolt and Kier Gillen's lesson in that as well. Is like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this over and over again. Try and we should be doing something else. And DC, at the end of this, uh, I, like, I, I hesitate to even put it at the feet of Jeff Johns. I kind of want to put it at the feet of the entire company, but Jeff Johns yeah. is, is high enough that it it's functionally the same. They are selling us, trying to sell us so, so hard. Like, look, heroes are heroic now. Watchmen was about how dark heroes are and how they have to be make serious decisions. Now we have good guys. Superman, he's a good guy. <laughs> look he, at them all pose on this page. Look at them all pose on this page. Multiple pages over and over again. That makes them heroes. That makes them heroes. Hey, DC, I don't know if you're listening to me. Probably not. You probably don't care. But I literally, I've read your comic books over the past couple years. All right, I've read, I've I've seen, I I don't know if you know about this guy. He's called the Batman who laughs, and he's been center, like center stage for you for like two and a half years now. Like I can't go anywhere on Earth where there's comic books and not see the Batman who laughs, which is taking two terrible ideas and making them one terrible idea together and selling it over and over and over and over again for dollars for money here's the thing people like terrible comics that's the that's always the rub i just if you want heroic superheroes you want to tell a story about Ernest? You know what's a really good comic book that tells me how good and great Superman is? It's called All-Star Fucking Superman. It doesn't have Dr. Manhattan in it. It doesn't have Ozymandias in it. It just has Superman being a fucking great person. Make a new thing that tells me this. Don't dredge no. up poor Alan Moore's characters that he left in the dirt because he thought he would own them forever. Not and Like, we haven't even touched on the the... The mis like the way that DC has swindled Alan Moore over the years, because that's like an entire podcast on its own. Yeah, we've 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 touched on it here and there. Yes. Uh, so here's 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 what people think being a hero is. It's that. There's another one. Oh God, Eric, stop. That's being a hero, standing there, looking intensely at things, lightning behind you, being stern, dramatic lighting. I'm a hero. I it's just it's just again why 
Like, and it, and the answer is, oh, and it's so crazy. I mean, Jeff Johns is, was in an interview saying, like, I've had this idea forever about this wa- a sequel to Watchmen, and I wanted to tell it, and I finally got the chance. I'm like, this is what you've had for years? Finally got to tell my story. Finally, I get to release this fucking mud puddle on the world. I do feel like the first half, the first half feels like it could have been a genuine idea, but motherfucker, this went off the rails. It's, I, it's just, I can't, I can't process it, Eric. I just don't. You've I, done a much better job processing it than, than I have. I just, I saw it and wanted to just flip the table over. I feel like you've given it a much fairer shake than I have. Hey, look what's look what's in this book. You're gonna send me. Oh, gear of the villain continues. Yep, that's the thing. I just it mm-hmm. makes it makes me even angrier when you like it's just full of advertisements for other comic books where it's year of the villain. You haven't reject. You have not rejected anything that oh, you have embraced the oh. worst of Watchmen and you've done it for decades. Alan Moore has said, he's like, oh, the worst year of my life, or I had a year where I had a bad attitude and that made comics crazy for 30 years. (laughs) Like, I was in a bad mood in 1985 and I wrote Watchmen and suddenly that became superhero comics for 40 years now. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's right. And you don't get to do both. You can't say, oh, we reject the Watchmen ideals and then gear the villain, the Batman who laughs, Dark Knight Metal. Just Well, they really don't give a shit. They're, it's not taking a stand. I mean, it's posing. It Literally, it's posing. <laughs> Look at that. Look at all the posing that I've sent you. It's fucking posing. They don't give a fuck. (laughs) They're selling posing as heroism. And they're selling, like, fucking evil smiles as grimdark. With fucking lots of people getting killed. Whatever in the fuck. It it, it just, like... Oh, I can't... Comics are, are bad, bro. Uh, this I can't. This Doomsday I Doomsday Clock is a very bad comic book. Uh, I it's crazy. And it, like it, so much time and money was invested into it. Uh, Gary Frank's art is very very beautiful, but I can't. It looks it, great. It's all overshadowed to me. It's all like I don't. There's so many times I see this on Twitter where artists are so upset at reviews where they just you know talk about oh the art's beautiful and then they ravish the comic or whatever or barely mention there i'm like well you drew a comic book that's the story is bad like yeah. i don't you, this is not an art book <laughs> you're you're drawing a story and if the story fails you are going to be lumped in with this writer at telling a bad story and this book is nonsense it's just like it it has pieces here and there where you're like oh that's good and that's in, in, interesting and I just, as I was reading this, I couldn't stop and think about how Tom King, in his, you know, this new Strange Adventures book, has a, he's abandoning the nine panel grid. You know, he's branching out now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I, yeah, great. Tom King, you know, he's done it, you know, did a few different books with the nine panel grid. And you and I were both talking about this with Mr. Miracle, like, cool, what happens? You know, what is he going to keep doing this? And the answer is no, he's going to try, he's going to do something else. 
And yet, this is all, like, nine-panel grids, and like, hey, look, it's just like Watchmen. <sighs> I can't take it. Don't read this. Don't give it, don't spend more money on it. Uh, I, uh, it disgusts me. I thought, and I thought, frankly, that I would read this and just think it was fine. That was honestly what I, my expectations were, that I think this was just average. But no. I, I thought I might appreciate it more than than I did, but I did not think I would think it was fine. It's not fine. It's bad. It's it's like there's a couple bits of here and there where you think you can see the art in it, but then it just falls back into stupidity. Just like blunt dumbness. And like Eric said, posing. Mm-hmm. Just splash pages with hundred hundreds of superheroes I don't care about. I don't what like um how what am I supposed to feel about like the fourth superhero on the Israeli superhero team, like w- guy wearing a gra- a brown hoodie hero? I don't from some country. Like I don't know who who is this person. Why do I care about them? Why is this? Why does this matter? What are you doing? <sighs> this got very good reviews, Eric. By who? I mean, the Metacritic review on this is like a 9.2 or something. God almighty, people fucking love posing. They really do. Hey, Eric, do you have anything else you want to add about Doomsday Clock? Uh, don't read it. <laughs> okay, that's also what I have to add about Doomsday Clock. Don't read Doomsday Clock. Uh, next time in Book Club in two weeks, uh, we will be discussing Kieran Gillen's run in Darth Vader. Star Wars Darth Vader, the new Marvel, the, the first Darth Vader book, and not the, <laughs> like, six others that there seem to be of Darth Vader already. Uh, but I've I've seen a lot of bits and pieces of this online. I'm very curious about how he handles the character that has literally, like, what, seven lines of dialogue in the entire for original Star Wars trilogy? <laughs> Uh, but we'll read that. Here he says no really good. No. No. Uh, that's all on Comicsology Unlimited. If you have that, you can read it for free there. That's what we're going to do. Uh, read along with us. That'll do it for us today. We got the Hands of Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsofboyscomicshour.com. Links to everything there to our Facebook, facebook.com slash Hour, Twitter at HBCR. You can email us at handsofboyscomics at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate us uh, on a podcast service, whatever you want to use, Apple Podcasts or wherever podcatcher. Uh, give us a good a good review, good review five stars, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, all those things. They all help us out. They help us find new listeners. We really do appreciate it. You can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman, and my website is RobbieDorman.com, which is links to all my other podcasts and to my horror novels, my newest novel, Underneath. It's a story of Antarctic terror uh, full of paranoid body horror similar to The Thing or The Terror. Eric, where can we find you and your things online? You can see my portfolio at FreeWillUnlimited.com. And many of my things, many of the things I get up to online at ericzgoodnight.com, that includes links to my Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, where I'm known on each service as Easy Goodnight. And with that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one.